0: Hi, welcome to the Tourism Chronicles, brought to you by the Razzle Cannabis Broadcasting Network. My name is Barbie Summers, and I'll be your tour guide as we explore the new heights of tourism. Today, my guest is Brian Applegarth, founder and executive director of the California Cannabis Tourism Association. But first, a word from our kind
1: sponsor. Shady Creek Trading Company produces and distributes cannabis-infused wild meat jerky products. Co-created by Settler's Jerky founder, Shady Creek Trading Company is an infused jerky products and distribution corporation located in Nevada City, California. Nomad Jerky Bites is their premier product, a packaged pouch with hearty bites of ethically raised buffalo fortified with THC. Shady Creek Trading Company are the innovators of the infused meat jerky market. They are compliant by all FDA standards and use cured strips of real buffalo as opposed to pressed jerky. To learn more about Shady Creek and their current investment opportunity, please visit the Razzle Investment Marketplace at razzle.com.
0: Welcome back, and thank you for joining us, Brian.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Brian, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your entry into the cannabis industry?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I really came into cannabis from a traveler vantage point. I was born and raised in Northern California. Um, anyone who 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 was who was like me and was born and raised in the region, cannabis comes in pretty early, pretty like junior high In high school. It was as common as beer, um, and uh, and then I went traveling and kind of outside California and came back in 2013 and discovered that there were cannabis shops in this gray kind of market of medical marijuana. And uh, it was really a discovery. And of course, I'd used cannabis periodically throughout my travels and my time outside of the state. And uh, it was just, I finally went to a dispensary, got my card, um, and it was just really obvious to me that cannabis tourism was on the horizon. So uh, I attended Oaksterdam. I started just consuming content and documentaries and learning, and then I fell in love with the plant. So I came at it through a love of travel. And, uh, and, and seeing that there was an opportunity and there was a need to really, for someone to help coordinate hemp and cannabis tourism um, as it was getting legalized. Um, and then I had this kind of, I fell in love with the plant itself and the whole culture around it. And, uh, and uh, so it really is really the intersection of travel and cannabis where I live now um, with, with an affinity for the history and culture of the movement that is cannabis so that's really how I came into it as an industry. You know, I've been using it periodically growing up, um, and then came into it as kind of a career move or a quality of life move, uh, more accurately, about five or six years ago.
0: Oh, I love that you call it a quality of life move. <laughs> I will second that. I mean, cannabis right. helped me medically. That's why I came to it, and. I fell in love with the plant too. And it's so interesting to see all the entrepreneurial spirit in this community, which is now an industry. And what inspired you to create the California Cannabis Tourism Association?
2: You know, I was, you know I was actually encouraged by somebody, by somebody I really respect, I really um, respect um, in Sonoma County. County. I was my first, my first venture really was, was starting a cannabis tour company, company called, called Emerald Country, Country Tours. tours. And, and I had these I had visions, of visions of being a private tour guide, guide and, and having, having one, one vehicle, vehicle and just working for, and myself, for myself and and, and having and a and great having quality a life of life, talking about something I love and helping make sense of this new kind of botanical medicine that is getting people are more more curious about. And then, and, then, uh, um, and, then and then I started, started working, on, working this on, on this concept called the cannabis, cannabis trail, trail, which is a which legacy trail. trail. And, then and then I had then a buddy pull me inside and, inside and said, have you thought about, actually, about starting actually starting an association? association. He said, essentially, you're kind of pioneering pre- your space, space in some, in some regards, regards, and I feel like it would be good. It's needed in the state. Have you ever thought about it? I never thought about it. Um, but, but I started to think, to about, think about, about it, that seed, that was, seed planted, was planted, so to, so to speak. And, um, and then the more I the the thought more about it, the, more, the, I the more, more, more I felt like the tour company concept, concept would be something, something that would, that would suit me more, more in retirement, retirement, just like just growing like my own, own, personal own personal garden, garden things, that things that I want to do at an older age. So, um, so I, the more that I kind of wrapped my head around the association and what that would serve as serving the intersection of cannabis camp and the travel and tourism industry, it became really exciting. Because you start because seeing you start how, hemp how hemp and cannabis, cannabis intersect, intersect with hotels, with hotels eventually, eventually airlines, airlines tour, tour companies, companies um, um, you know destinations, you know, destination, marketing plans, plans and, and, and then you start and looking, and looking at, the look at the economic impact, economic impact, impact that is the that travel is the industry. Travel street. Street. And, the and, and the cannabis and hemp conversation is a very, is a very important, important conversation, conversation to be stewarding forward and educating people from businesses to consumers, and also the visitor profile is very different than the California local profile. Um, so, um, so, it it's just increasingly I got fascinated, I got fascinated with, that. with that, and, uh, and uh, that's, that's how, the how the association really came, came to be. We're, We're in our third year. It's, year. It's, it's called the California Canada Canada Tourism Cannabis Tourism Association. association. Um, it's, a um, it's a member it's a member-based based organization, 501c6, and, and our three pillars, pillars are advocacy, advocacy, education, and networking. And, and, we, and we really work at the intersection to help bridge build between the travel industry and the cannabis and pets industries of California.
0: I love it, and I believe I've heard you say before in one of the CCTA calls uh, about the cross-pollination between mainstream tourism and the cannabis industry and how we have a lot to learn from each other. And uh, I I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the topic of the times, which is COVID-19 and how that has hit tourism and how cannabis might be able to be You know, in in other words, bring new life into this industry, kind of supercharge it in a way because it has suffered from this pandemic. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, what what historical times we're in, really? It's um it's fascinating. The game board's been shaken up to say the least, and uh, everyone's pivoting and adapting and and kind of repuzzling together, right? So it's a really interesting time. Let's see here. So as far as the COVID-19, one of the really vital developments is that cannabis was essential or is essential, right? So it's a a necessity of life. And uh, that essential designation with that, the case study and discovery came, not surprisingly, that cannabis is recession-proof. So it makes it a really unique industry when you start thinking of funding models for the DMOs that if you incorporate cannabis in a coordinated way and really embrace it in an ecosystem that is a tourist destination, how do you, how does that puzzle piece fit in? And how, and I, when I see you say puzzle piece, I'm talking about hemp and sustainability. I'm talking about wellness and CBD and I'm talking about the THC rich cannabis side. So it's a big conversation from replacing plastics and using hempcrete to build hotels to implementing CBD hemp-derived infused massages to having a a more psychoactive experience where you're really embracing the effects of cannabis to complement an activity. And when you start considering all these things, in addition to the fact that hemp and cannabis have a really interesting, um, they're interesting because they're quote-unquote new industries regulated form. Um, But one one of the developments there is the social equity program. So there's, there's, there's ways to create new business paradigms as we fold in cannabis and hemp into the travel and tourism industry. There's conversations bubbling up around sustainability as well as social equity and being a model that's very pliable right now because it's new. It's not ingrained in the old way of thinking prior to COVID-19. So it's kind of a fresh canvas for a destination to approach and say, how do we how do we evolve our travel and tourism model to to serve the social distancing world and also a world where minority voices and marginalized groups and representation becomes more and more relevant and that's why it's so important i think that we give our due diligence and attention and we educate to get on the same page because how do we allow hemp and cannabis to serve its highest purpose in the travel and tourism funnel Um, and it's a really really multi-layered conversation because it's a very complex evolved plant You know, it comes down to juicing THCA and, you know, to explaining what the difference is between CBD hemp-derived versus cannabis-derived and what that means. There's just a lot to unpack. So the educational component to businesses as well as consumers are both where, you know, a lot of the effort goes today. So we can get everybody on the same page and start innovating a model that's really something to be proud of.
0: Indeed. And I'm so glad that education is one of your pillars because so many people are new to cannabis and people come to California for a cannabis experience, California style. We do have a rich culture here. Um, Obviously, my mind always goes to the Emerald Triangle, but there are things happening all throughout the state. We have consumption lounges now, and there's all kinds of exciting things happening. And you're right, this is multifaceted, all these layers with the social equity as well and safety now, you know, we're not passing joints like we used to, and there's all kinds of new things to consider with COVID being a part of our lives now. And it's exciting times. Well, like you said, historic times. And boy, what an interesting time to be alive. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about the the behind-the-scenes business that goes on that the tourists don't necessarily see. Um, Advancements that are being taken by various cities or counties or the state to make these cannabis experiences more available and safer to tourists. And what comes to mind, of course, is Desert Hot Springs and their recent moves towards making uh, hotels, uh, well, creating basically an ordinance that would allow retail sales or at least consumption. We still need to work out the details, but also entertainment facilities that are going to openly allow cannabis use. Can you believe this day has come? Mm.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's a few different kind of case studies in the state. I think what Desert Hot Springs is doing is fantastic. They're really kind of pioneering this. And when you look at the economic impact and the turnaround, the positive impact it's had on that community, it's it's very exciting. And it's I also love it because it has a story of tourism. It used to be a very vibrant Hot Springs wellness destination. So what a better way to breathe not even just new life, but bring, bring the history with it and rebrand it as like this spa wellness getaway, bubbly water, hot spring destination with cannabis as part of that. I mean, what a, what a unique value proposition that destination has and what a unique opportunity. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, Yeah. And I agree with you. Like there's more and more consumer uh, touch points becoming available, right? There's tours, there's dispensaries, there's lounges, there's even a cafe now, There's beautifully private curated events. There's a handful of those happening. There's also the more large scale events which are on hold like Emerald Cup. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that it's starting to manifest. Um, And uh, I believe that, you know, if you're a hotel or if you're in the hospitality industry that the time is now to have a basic plan. And that could be as simple as what you said, public safety. You know, if somebody comes to your concierge, where can I consume it? You know, where can I buy it? Where can I consume it? Like if you can't answer those two questions confidently and be able to direct your guests to a dispensary that you know is compliant and legal with safe tested medicine at the very least, I mean, in the name of hospitality, you should be able to do that. Um, you know, there was one hotel, I was advising a company, uh, and there's one hotel that was a, was a a client, um, that when we pulled up to their valet, we got out and I just kind of asked it, kind of a private shopper, a, a secret shopper thing and said, where can I, you know, where can I buy some weed? And the valet pulled up a, you know, a website that was notorious for supporting black market deliveries or traditional market deliveries, I should say, excuse me. Um, and I mean, that's where you have an example of a staff member making a recommendation to a non-compliant dispensary with potentially non-tested products that could cause your guest to get sick you know and that's a very easy risk mitigation tactic where you can just by having some by pulling your head out of the sand you can actually be able to have a plan that's at least based around public safety Um, and and this cannabis motivated traveler that research has recently identified um, you know they're really motivated by the concierge being prepared even if you're even if your plan is just being able to provide good information that alone right now is a differentiator for first movers because people just don't know how to coordinate around it, and it's not surprising because hemp and CBD and cannabis—the way that they've rolled it out in a, from a regulatory landscape—it's—it's a—it's a—it's a confusing conversation for somebody who doesn't live in it like you and I, you know.
0: Indeed, um, and I'm glad you brought this up. I wanted to talk to you about your consulting firm, and you know, say, say I'm a hotelier. And I don't know anything about cannabis. I don't consume it at all. There's a lot to know and also to educate your whole staff, not just the person who's playing the concierge role, like you said, the valet. Um, so what are the services that you offer?
2: Yeah, sure. So the the kind of consultancy is called Enlighten. So it's Enlighten with no E-N. It's just an N. It's Enlighten Strategies. And uh, it's really five years in the making, and what it is is we work with hotels, resorts, and destinations to attract the cannabis-motivated traveler. Um, We recently partnered with MMGY Global Travel Intelligence on about an eight-month to 10-month national survey study of identifying the cannabis-motivated traveler profile for the United States and what that looks like. Um, Really interesting results because, uh, not surprisingly, well, first off, the United States is patchwork right now when it comes to adult use, medical and, 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 and uh, traditional or not legal markets. Um, but you start getting a, a, a sense of the appetite nationwide of what, what is this, what does this look like? And you'll find it's multi-generational. You'll also find it includes the can of curious. Like over 30% of the people that were identified as cannabis-motivated travelers had never tried cannabis before, which is just fascinating because you start understanding that when visitors are showing up to dispensaries, more often than not, they're being given a high dose edible that's too much and it's ruining their trip. And then the hotel's calling an ambulance, you know, it's, it's just a snowball of avoidable negative impacts on your business. And it just comes down to education and having some basic SOPs. Another example of this is a hotel, um another story is that um this hotel told me they're like one of the problems is they you know they once found as disposal is, is the word. So like they they found their their the the housekeeper um asleep on the bed because they ate a chocolate that they had no idea was medicated, right? So, you know, having some kind of disposal program, um, and most importantly having a delivery service or having other we call them integration points. So Enlightened Strategies goes into a destination or a hotel or resort we do an audit and we basically look at all the assets that are possible on property or in the destination. And then we help coordinate the stakeholders from hotels to DMOs, to attractions, to cannabis attractions. And we do some hospitality training on the cannabis side. We do some cannabis training on the hospitality side, hotel side, destination side. And then we do experience design using the best attractions in that destination to a way where it's coordinated and marketable to be able to outwardly attract this visitor and serve them in the right capacity. But let me explain that like, when you look at this visitor profile of the top 10 methods of consumption, smoking and vaping are actually the bottom two. And that was a national survey. So, you know, you you can do a data for destinations watching, you can do a data cut and really dial down on your destination for like, what kind of brand is cannabis gonna be in your destination? what hotels are gonna be your champions, how are you gonna have a coordinated plan with the tourism ecosystem to be able to attract this cannabis-motivated traveler, which is high, high spend and stays longer and is very active in market and loves to get high and eat food. You know, there's, there's, there, they, they like to go on hikes. You know, it really, the research that we found is a cannabis-motivated traveler really debunks the stoner stigma that some people still associate with the cannabis culture of the guy on the couch eating cheetos or the girl on the couch
0: yeah Spicoli. That's,
2: that's not it today today is a whole new conversation it's really exciting
0: it is really exciting oh that poor housekeeper <laughs> I, know, I, know. I shouldn't laugh but seriously i'm going to talk to everyone out there i always take the opportunity for education especially with edibles start low go slow it's such a serious thing to remember and especially if you are new to cannabis or revisiting it after a long time i mean if you have a low tolerance period or you know you're you're working with a brand that is new to you it doesn't hurt you to just start low you know no more than five milligrams wait for an hour see how it affects you because you don't want to ruin your vacation Right. Wow. And the
2: other the other tip I would give is, with edibles again, because edibles can be sensitive, is beca- some people say don't mix cannabis and alcohol. I say, if you're experienced enough, if you decide to mix, take cannabis first, because I find that that is a safer route than being tipsy or drunk, and then taking cannabis and getting the spins. If you take cannabis first at the right dose, it can actually enhance the flavors and the experience of a wine tasting or a craft beer tasting, but you have to do it in a measured intentional way so it's supplemental to the experience, Um, and I think there's room for that, and I think cannabis is going to end up being an incredible aperitivo to a wine, a flight of wine or beer or, or whatever it is, or food you know, doing a... Um,
0: no, I wholeheartedly agree on that. I mean, ha- cannabis heightens all of our senses. So particularly a, a wine tasting, as you said, you would really be able to taste all of those flavors. And what's interesting is there's so much about cannabis connoisseurship and and enjoying that. I mean, th- there is such a thing as... You know, Somalia is for the cannabis world as well, and there's a lot of language that crosses over. So anyone who is a wine aficionado can really get into the language of cannabis and all the various terpenes and all the various effects. It's very similar to wine tasting. Mm-hmm. And we both know yes. Jamie Evans, the herb psalm. She puts on some great experiences that, that you know, yes. help with that whole crossover and, and that's more the luxury audience. And I think what I'm seeing right now in California, the beauty of the offerings, uh, it's, it's pretty a wide variety of offerings, right? You can go into a 420 lounge, which might be more you know, what we might consider like an old school sesh in a way where you're just, you know, sitting down with people you might, you know, you don't even know and you're you're Mm -hmm. consuming along with them and striking up conversations, much like a bar experience to these Mm -hmm. highly curated sit-down, multi-course dinner parties that also may bring in the wine component. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's super fun. What a great space. It's so exciting. And we have the Cannabis Appalachians of California that are being started there. I think they're kicking off January 1 next year is the deadline per, I think it's Prop 64. Um, Maybe it's SB 67. But it's where the CDFA is rolling out this. And a lot of people are watching California as kind of, I mean, there's obviously Colorado has it going on to it too, a bit and Seattle and Portland, but you know, California is the fifth biggest economy in the world. And there's a lot of history we have that those other States just do or don't whatever. It's not a competition. Everybody's got different stories, but that California kind of story of cannabis is just really fascinating. When you look at the Emerald triangle, the legacy growers, all the hippies that migrated north from the summer of love and kind of set up camp in that Emerald triangle region, the roots of all that, all the seed collecting that happened on the hippie trail that was brought back to California. And then you have this gray market that was an operation from 1996 on. I mean, you're talking 22 years of a functioning industry that was so that foundational knowledge is a lot of brain trust, right? So When you start getting into the culture and history side of travel and tourism, there's a lot of space for that. And I think that California right now, you're starting to see kind of the crown jewels of cannabis tourism start to pop up throughout the state. And there's going to be some anchor kind of attractions that really – set the infrastructure up to attract visitation and have tourism exist and i think there is so much space for innovation above and beyond a simple cannabis transaction about how do i get high you know there's ways and i love the creativity of the cannabis culture i think we're going to see some really once the supply chain gets ironed out and people can actually make money which we're still a ways (laughs) from but you're going to see more and more creative pursuits pop up in retail and lounges where they have the bandwidth and the space and the money to be able to really tie in the culture, the programming, the history, the immersive experiences. Um, You know, you yourself are a pioneer here. I mean, the experience that I went, that you crafted was unbelievable. It stands out as my favorite, hands down. Um, One of the best experiences I've been on in the past five years of my life, like it was amazing. And that is an excellent example of how cannabis is gonna contribute in a new way, and in an innovative way to the tourist experience and for somebody who wants to really connect with cannabis and nature and the culture around it,
0: you know? Definitely. I think cannabis lends itself to connecting us not only to nature, but to ourselves.
2: Yeah, it does.
0: And yeah, and to each five, other.
2: It's a communication tool, you know? It really is. And, it, and, and it's a communication tool above the capacity for humans to fully understand which makes it a really interesting conversation because we keep trying to box it in and wrangle it and and it's just it's an evolved plant and it's like there's a certain element that's charming about cannabis where it's like you know even as we dig into terpenes and steering effects and thc dose and hitting flow state it's like there's this plant intelligence component to cannabis that is undeniable um which has an ability and it's it's been working with our bodies for so many, I mean, we live, this is what blows my mind as a historian, we live, or amateur historian, we should, we live in this glimpse of time where cannabis was removed. It's like 80 or 90 years out of the history of the world. It's this like snapshot.
0: That's what I tell people. It was just like a hiccup in the 1930s. We started to question it, but we have evolved with this plant
2: receptors throughout our entire body i mean it's like and a blood brain right it crosses the blood brain barrier it's the way that this plant can function with our bodies to promote homeostasis and balance you know it's 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 really really phenomenal it's extraordinary what what we're and i mean talk about medical and science and wellness and botanical wellness and all the conversations is going to open up um But yeah, I mean, I've just become a huge fan of what cannabis stands for. And also, there's a part of me that really resonates with cannabis and hemp because they're so misunderstood. So in a lot of ways, the social equity program and and marginalized groups and these conversations around representation in the industry, it's very much a reflection of homeostasis and cannabis as a symbol of being stigmatized and misunderstood for the last 80, 90 years. It's very uniting in that way. Um, and I do think with cannabis and hemp, there is an opportunity here to reimagine uh, how business is more accessible and fair for the, for, you know, globally, hopefully, United States, California, for sure,
1: we're working on that. Apricot Analytics is a full-service product quality lab for cannabis testing and CBD and hemp testing. They have over a decade of analytical lab experience and have been working with cannabis products since 2005. Apricot Analytics understands the needs of cannabis and hemp producers because they were producers themselves. They know the challenges, the frustrations, and the dreams of cultivators and manufacturers. They get it because they've been there, and they're here to help. Apricot Analytics tests your products for the good stuff, like THC uh, and CBD concentrations, and helps you identify any of the bad stuff, like pesticides, mold, bacteria, and heavy metals. For more information, go to apricotanalytics.com, or to learn more about their current investment opportunity, go to the Razzle Investment Marketplace at razzle.com.
0: Yeah, well, I wanted to touch on the Appalachians project and, you know, any state movements towards making cannabis something that could possibly be exported, I mean, initially to other states, but internationally as well. Do you have any updates on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I again, I think Kristen Nevidal or Jeanine Coleman would be your people to talk about Apple. I kind of stay, I stay in, up to date, but I'm not entrenched. Um, but I do think the Appalachians are going to be one of the key infrastructure pieces of tourism to draw and to create an experience around, um, as the communities up there see fit. There's also going to be Appalachians that develop throughout California. Some of the most pristine ag land is in the Central Coast, right? So it's going to be. Seeing the hemp Appalachians also evolve, in addition to cannabis, is going to be exciting. Um, so, as far as international exports, I mean, when you think of the California brand, the be- like the best of California or award-winning cannabis, Humboldt, Mendo, California, you know, those are three really big brands when it comes to cannabis. Um, and people knowing that the best cannabis in the world, or arguably the best cannabis in the world, California is one of the places of source. Um, And there's a legacy component there in the Emerald Triangle. There's also going to be just a just kind of a climate and terroir component, not just in the Emerald Triangle, but throughout the state um, for hemp and cannabis. And the idea of when interstate commerce opens up and international exports, I mean, I, I think that there's immense opportunity there. I think the smartest brands right now that are making inroads are doing something creatively through ancillary products as well as hemp-derived CBD products, and they're laying the road in international markets to be able to expand quickly once that, once that barrier is removed with THC Rich. I see other you know, companies that are holding tight and not, not having that international strategy, um, and that really just depends on what your business model is. You know, I lean toward international growth because it sounds more interesting and fun, so I do appreciate those brands that are really trying to get creative of how do we start capturing and creating awareness in international markets and be able to turn on that switch and have our supply chain ready and be able to export quickly once those barriers are raised. Um, yeah,
0: that's it's good. going to be
2: fun. It's going to be fun to see Humboldt and California jarred flour you know, on the shelves in, in Milan one day.
0: Exactly. It's world famous. It would be great if it got to be exported across the globe. Yeah. 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 So you For mentioned sure. a few uh crown jewel experiences. So, you know, now that we've discussed the business behind the scenes as a tourist, um how can a tourist find out what experiences are available in California?
2: Good question. Um You know, I would start with. There's a few different sort like people who are competing to be the Expedia of kind of cannabis tourism. Um, I think there's like uh, there's a few different names. There's like Can Canva is one. There's Pot Guide. You know, I would Google and just try to find, you know, what what you can find online. The California Cannabis Tourism Association has a directory. We have, I think, five to seven different tour companies throughout the state as members that are fantastic operators. They do a great job. Each have a little different style. Um, We also have elevated tastings and ways that you could link through. So I would really go to the CCTA directory as well as do an organic kind of Google search on whatever region you're going to and take a look. Um, if you're going to visit a, uh, if you're going to visit an actual retail shop and you want that experience, you know, perhaps put in a couple phone calls, say you're from out of town. Is there some kind of, you know, protocol or can you meet somebody for a more in-depth experience and a Q&A session about the different product types and um you know, I, I, you'll probably find one or two dispensaries that will be able to really field that. I do feel like there's a lack of hospitality polish and visitor profile understanding out in, this, in the space, which is why Enlighten exists, is to help coordinate that, um, you know. But, yeah, I think that would be my best answer for now, and uh, uh, and it will continue to evolve, you know. This is, again, with tourism, I've been in it five or six years it's taken, it was crickets. It was crickets, crickets, crickets. And now in our third year of legalization, I feel like the supply chain and the license kind of supply chain is getting, it's far from figured out, but at least we have lounges, cafes and retailers now. So we have those kind of licensed consumer facing components. Um, Also the the hotel kind of hospitality licenses that are being discussed in the space will be another evolution of that. So, yeah, I mean, I would look up the CCTA directory as well as an organic Google search to answer your question.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you for joining us today, Brian.
2: Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. I love it. I'll be tuning in regularly.
0: Oh, thank you. I know you do a lot more, too. I feel like I could have you on again on another topic, too. Um, after reading your bio in depth, you do so much. And I want to know more about all of the languages you speak too.
2: Oh gosh. Those are probably rusty at this point, but we can, we can do it. We can play with some Japanese and Italians, my favorite, probably. It's just, that had a huge effect on me when I was living over there. What a rich culture. I mean, it's just, I, I still, I still see that in a lot of who I am and how I operate. Um, So, but I loved being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you for your work in promoting tourism, promoting the space, educating people, facilitating conversations like this. I mean, this is where if we can educate and let people understand, you know, I'm here to support at any and every turn and happy to be on anytime. So thanks for having me.
0: Thank you very much.